whatever you are doing, all the discussions that you have, they should be around the metrics. It's important for you to define the target metric and keep it as a like guiding star for many or most of decisions that you will be making. Krushinsky, you're a head of product in e-commerce, working at early stage startups, as well as businesses with over 30 million monthly active users. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So let's start with a bit of your background. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got into product and the path that it's led you down. Yeah. So basically, as you have mentioned, my key experience is with e-commerce. So I have worked at Lamoda, it's a Russian fashion e-commerce layer with like tens of millions monthly active users. I have worked there for more than eight years. I have started that entry-level operation specialist job. And then I basically grown into first business project management, then the tech product management, then into the internal services product management, and then finally to the customer facing product management. Wow. How? So seen... Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, so you've seen a lot of different stages or parts of the business there on both the business side and the tech side, and now I guess overseeing it all, or yeah, from the product perspective, seeing all of that together in one. Yes, that's correct. And more recently, you've moved on to a smaller business. Uh, yeah, so approximately one year ago, I have joined uh, an early stage uh, fashion B2B, in this case, startup uh, located in Dubai. And I was leading the whole product development there. But uh, in the end of December, it wasn't my last day. So basically, I am no longer working there at the moment. But still, I can share my experience. Yeah, yeah that's great. And also, both B2C and B2B. So lots of different experiences there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe we could dive in on some of those differences. So both B2B and B2C, but then also the scale where the most recent business was a lot smaller, much more of a startup or early stage startup. And Lamoda, at least by the time you left, was a bit of a giant. So Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what gets easier and what gets harder between these two different scales and between B2B and B2C. Yeah, so let me first tell you about the scale, and then we will go into the B2B versus B2C. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I would say that the first difference between the startup and the scale-up company is how you actually manage the data and the experimentation. Uh, because in much more like corporate or grown-up company, you will have lots of data, you will have lots of users, and there is no way for you to launch new features without actually doing the A-B testing. Mm -hmm. Because there is a high chance of you actually worsening the user experience or maybe losing a significant amount of money because you have untested one particular feature. And then in a smaller startups, you usually launch everything without the experiments because you just don't have enough users and don't have enough data. You cannot make statistically significant deductions out of the experiments that you will try to do. I would say that basically this is the first difference 
But the second difference, I think, would be about product delivery speed. Because if we're talking about larger companies, usually there are some really long and complex processes of how you actually go from an idea or a hypothesis into actually rolling out something to the production. Sometimes it can take months. Mm. So the time to market is very, very slow. And then in the startup, this happens much, much, much faster. So in my experience, uh, it was rolling out features within a week sometimes. Compared with months and then bigger scale. Yeah, compared with months. And then the third thing I would say is related to product manager versatility because uh, in large companies, they are usually looking for a particular skill set for the particular role of a product manager and uh, the responsibility there could be limited by one page or smaller part of the user flow. Or sometimes I think everyone heard stories of product managers moving buttons. Like I'm responsible for this particular button and uh, this metric is my goal. And then in the startup, you are basically responsible for everything. So as a regular senior product manager, you can still oversee the whole product function. You can actually uh, initiate uh, setting up the data infrastructure. You can uh, come up with some things how you can actually improve the marketing and the user acquisition. Basically, this uh, whole experience is much, much wider compared to large companies. Mm -hmm. So when you move to this smaller business, how did you find that transition? Is that something that you were prepared for or something you had to kind of pick up on the fly? I can't say that I was prepared. So I had my guesses about uh, things moving much faster. But then when you actually start experiencing that difference is sometimes immense. So for me personally, it was a challenge to actually speed up my product delivery. After my corporate experience, it actually matches with the startup speed. Mm -hmm. Because like I have previously mentioned, when we were talking about the full processes, for example, the descriptions, the designs, the tests and everything, many parts of that can be skipped in the startup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so is there something that you would have told yourself 18 months ago to help you prepare or something that you could tell the audience if they're going from something a little bit more stable and corporate to a smaller startup? How could they prepare for this? It's a good question. I think the first advice is to cut out unnecessary parts. For example, if you're launching a startup, you need to validate some hypothesis very quick. So you don't have time to do the proper designs. Sometimes you might be required to do the wireframes by hand by yourself and then pass it to the development team. And then they will basically build the interface based on the elements that they have already developed. And then you can actually start getting the data much faster compared to going through the general design process. I think the second advice is to start implementing the data infrastructure as fast as possible. I think I have felt that mistake and I've heard that from other product managers in the startups that sometimes it seems so logical. Why do I need to set up the data for like 10 or 30 or 100 users? 
Mm. But then when you actually start referring the data and the data accumulates, and when you are in the point when you have, for example, 200 or 1,000 users, you will still need time to get mm. the data on them. So it's better to start setting up the data earlier. Mm -hmm. And then the next advice about the data, obviously in larger companies, you have uh, all the dashboards, basically all the analytical systems already set up, everything is enabled. So the cost of actually getting the insights from the data is quite low. But in the startup, nothing is set up. Basically, when you start approaching the data, first you need to figure out what you will do with the results that you will get from the data. What exactly do you want to check? Because in the startup, it might be quite expensive to set up the particular set of data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one other thing that sprang to mind as you're talking about trying to get data collection set up early, because as you get more users, eventually it becomes more and more valuable and it takes time to actually get value out of a new user, out of the data that you're collecting. The other thing that springs to mind is that it also takes some troubleshooting. You'll install it, you'll get it set up and the data will be wrong and you have to try and understand why. So being prepared that you might not get the right data the first time is also something that springs to mind for me. Yeah. Cool. And so the other question I have around this topic of data with smaller companies versus data with bigger companies, you touched on how it's cheaper to go and run reports or to get the data results that you need at bigger companies. But I'm also wondering, are there other differences? I can imagine when you're working with 3 million, 30 million monthly active users, you can run really precise A-B tests. But if you only have a handful of users or 100 users, maybe you can't run the same number of tests or the same precision of tests. So could you speak a little bit about the differences in what data is valuable for? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I have mentioned that a little bit before. So I was talking about the A-B tests. And when uh, you're talking about smaller companies, you might not have enough data or enough users to uh, calculate the differences that are statistically significant. Obviously, again, it seems cheaper and easier to run A-B tests in the larger companies because you just press the button and probably you have all the A-B testing system set up already. In the startups, the approach is quite different, but again, uh, I might not have the proper B2C experience in the startup. My experience, my latest experience is related to B2B. Mm -hmm. There is also a difference between the B2B and the B2C approach that will come into play. Mm -hmm. um, in general, in a B2B, especially in a B2B startup, it's much easier to talk to your users. And uh, it's sometimes you might be in a situation when you need to enrich your quantitative data with some qualitative data and make it more useful this way because only the quantitative data might not be enough for you. Mm -hmm. But then you can always reach out to someone and maybe talk to, I don't know, 10 or 20% of your customer base if you're talking about smaller startups, especially in a B2B space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting comparable difference between B2C and B2B. What I heard was that it's easier to talk to your customers in B2B. Getting the qualitative data is a little more straightforward than the B2C case. Yeah. Okay. 
you mentioned at the start this uh, difference between your two experiences being B2C and B2B. Before we move on from this topic, are there other differences that you've noticed between B2C and B2B and how that impacts your work as a head of product? Yeah, I think that in general we have touched upon that already. Uh, in B2C, it's much easier to actually talk to customers and uh, you will probably have some setup already or some other sales pitch calls where you can actually join as a product manager and then try to get the insights from the calls and uh, from talking to your sales team and talking to your customers directly. In the B2C, the approach is more about looking at the data. It's more about conducting proper UX research and actually recruiting your respondents for the UX research and there will be some costs usually associated to it. Mm-hmm. It's either quantitative data or some qualitative data that will actually require a bit more costs compared to the B2B space. Gotcha. I guess on the B2B side, the cost maybe comes from your time having to go out and spend the time talking to all of the different clients or sitting in potential sales meetings with clients, things like that. Yes. And also, I think there is another thing that there is another difference, which is quite major. In the B2B, you kind of always know what your customer wants. Mm. because it's much easier for you to talk to your customer and basically get the feedback compared to the B2C. B2C is mostly about guessing and getting insights from some interviews that might not cover even 1% of your customer base. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. So in B2C, you have to guess and then go and validate that you are right, try and prove that you are right in your guess. Whereas in B2B, you have more information up front to know that you're right about your, yeah. your development. Cool. Yeah. Great. That, that's a super interesting comparison, both in terms of scale between sort of a smaller startup and a bigger business, and also between B2C and B2B and how that impacts product management. I've got a more general question that I'd like to move to now around prioritization. And so whether it's B2B or B2C and whether it's small or it's big, do you have some frameworks or do you have ideas that you turn to when you have to try and prioritize customers' needs and wants? Yeah, so I think even back at Lamada, we were trying to experiment with uh, different methods of prioritization. And uh, we came up, basically we came to the IC methodology, which is calculating the impact, confidence, and effort for the particular feature or or the set of features. And uh, in my experience, it's quite universal because uh, you can get the actual impact, which is calculated in uh, revenue or in profits. And that is applicable to bigger companies where you actually have a lot of data. And then if you want to try to prioritize some features in a startup where you might not have enough data, then you can actually implement the rating system within the IC. For example, on the scale from one to five, how do I estimate the impact? How do I estimate the confidence? How do I estimate the effort? And I think when I was talking to other product managers, many product managers, they actually somehow revolve around uh, rating the efforts and the value that we will get from a particular feature. 
So there are quite close met- methodologies which arise, or sometimes uh, there is only impact and effort. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I would go with the set of these methodologies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, w- could you dive in a little more there? So it sounded like you mentioned that a smaller company you can use impact, confidence, and effort and maybe put them on a scale one through five and you rate them and that's how you make this assessment. At Lomota, were you not using a one to five scale? Were you using something different? Yeah, basically uh, at Lomota, we were calculating the impact based on our conversion funnels and resulting metrics in revenue or profitability. Mm -hmm. And you could maybe come up with a revenue number that if we increase conversion by 1% on this page, then we expect this much extra revenue. And- so, yes, this is this is just looking at the funnels and uh, trying to guess, uh, well, in this particular step, by how much you can actually increase the conversion. Mm-hmm. And then given that everything after this step stays the same, how much money you will actually make on that increase. Mm-hmm. And then for confidence and effort, what sort of scale would you use for those? Yeah, so for confidence, I think it was also 1 to 5 or 1 to 10. It's hard for me to remember exactly, but it goes from the lowest score if this is just a product manager guess. So this is just an idea. Then as you get more data, your confidence rises. For example, you have seen this particular solution or feature in other products in the market mm-hmm. or you have actually deducted this based on the data or you have gotten this insight from the user research or you have gotten this insight from the support tickets and at the end of the scale the other end of the scale is basically if you have already launched some similar a b tests or you have launched some mvp feature and you have gotten the data from there, then this will be the highest confidence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you actually start prioritizing the features between each other, you might see that the overall score is low. Based on the estimations that you get, this particular feature will not get into the next quarter, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking, okay, so what can I change about this feature? So mm-hmm. maybe there is a way to get the data faster. Maybe I can place just the dummy button somewhere in the interface or the small landing page and see how many users actually click it, how mm-hmm. many users leave their contact details. And then when I get back to the full solution, I will have much more data and I will have higher confidence and that mm-hmm. will actually increase my overall score. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the key thing about the confidence in the uh, IC methodology. Helps you to understand if you are unsure and then makes you think about what you could do to be a little bit more sure. Yeah. Cool. And uh, how about effort then? So impact was maybe a measurable result like revenue or conversion or something. Confidence is the scale of one to five or one to 10. And it gives you the prompts on how to improve that or makes you question how you can improve that confidence before moving on. And what about effort? Effort is basically the developer's estimate. You go to the development team or some tech lead and you try to get his approximate estimation for this particular feature. And then if the estimation is too high, again, that will think your overall score. And then you can start thinking, okay, how can I cut out some pieces of this feature that might not affect the impact that much, but will significantly reduce the 
overall effort. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I see impact, confidence, and effort as a way to prioritize. I'm curious. So if I have five different features that I'm thinking about developing for the next product release, um, and I come up with impact, confidence, and effort for all five of them, do you? How do you then decide which feature to go with? Is it as simple as the best score? Well, yeah. I mean, some in most cases it's simple as the best score, but sometimes there is the modifier which is included. So this modifier might be related to strategy. For example, this particular feature will actually unlock some other strategic potential for us. That's why it makes sense to deliver it or develop it now. Gotcha. But in general, yeah, you go by the score. Gotcha. Cool. You mentioned that this was how you were working at Lamoda. Did you find that this translated to the smaller scale business and in the B2B context? Yes. So at my latest B2B startup, what I have done is also laid out the list of all the features or the ideas that we have and then try to estimate the impact as a score. And that was the only difference compared to the Lamoda approach. So I went with the score like uh, on a scale from one to five, how this will actually help us gain more users, how this will help us increase the conversions, and how this will help us improve the retention. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at three elements and tried to score them just as uh, like uh, manager guess yeah on the scale from one to five intuition cool yeah um, another thing that i'd love to hear a little bit about from your experience is the differences in working with different parts of the company and different parts of the teams as a product manager like we said at the start you have a lot of overview on the business side of things the product side of things and i'm curious do you see differences in when you're working with different parts of the business in how you have to communicate or in how they demand things of you and how you have to respond? Yeah, I think so. In the startups, uh, the communication between the departments, and we're talking about the departments that consist of one five people, is obviously much more faster and simpler compared to the corporate where there could be 20 to 50 or even 100 people in one department. Mm-hmm. You don't really spend that much time on uh, aligning some requirements or doing the proper stakeholder management. There are many things that can be aligned and negotiated over the cup of coffee or maybe just two to three minutes approach to the person who is responsible for this particular decision. Mm-hmm. So in the startup, if we're talking about the stakeholders, it's much faster. Then if we're talking about developers, I think it's approximately the same because you are still doing almost all the product work that you are supposed to do uh, related to the task descriptions, to the designs, mm-hmm. and communicating to the developers that there is no huge difference, at least in my experience, because yep. you will still have like one unit that they are working with or maybe two units of the developers. Mm-hmm. And then um, as you zoom in, so you're working with stakeholders, that's one challenge, but then you also have the team that you're working with, the product team, when you might have engineers and you might have designers and you might have research people. Do you find there are differences in how you have to communicate 
even at one company or a specific company, do you have differences in how you communicate with engineers versus how you work with designers? I don't think that there is a huge difference in how you communicate with the engineers. With the designers, there might be a difference because in a startup, you are supposed to do much faster delivery. That means that you need to communicate to the designer that sometimes you need only the wireframes. Wire sometimes you need just a quick design that can easily be implemented to validate the particular hypothesis. Sometimes you're not worrying about uh, getting 100% of the detail, details perfect in the startup compared to the larger companies. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's really important. Well, obviously, if you have uh, processes that actually allow you much more freedom with the designers, uh, with the designs in the product, it's it's important to have this communication with the designer. Like, hey, we are not aiming to do 100% of things perfectly. Mm -hmm. Let's just uh, agree on these compromises that we might have regarding this particular feature or the set of features. So understanding the fidelity of the designs that you're trying to get to and, and what's the priority for right now. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Another sort of topic that's a pretty broad topic that I'd love to chat with you about is around measuring success and measuring customer satisfaction. So maybe we can start with success as a, a head of product or for people who are product managers. Um, how should they be thinking about success in their jobs and also success for their customers? Do you have thoughts about how they can measure that for themselves and how they can measure that for customers? I would say that if we're talking about big companies, the scale-ups, it should be mostly about metrics. Whatever you're doing, all the discussions that you have, they should be around the metrics. It's important for you to define the target metric and keep it as a like, guiding star for many or most of the decisions that you will be making. Mm -hmm. And also use this metric to align with some other departments. But here we will start talking about OKR processes and so on. But in general, yeah, I think in bigger companies, it's about metrics, metrics, metrics. And then if we're talking, <laughs> and then if we're talking about the startups, again, I think sometimes in the startup, there is a bigger role for the qualitative feedback versus the mm -hmm. quantitative. So sometimes your customers will tell you that this feature is great, I'm using it, I'm really loving it, and so on. And if you want to try to measure it with some particular metrics, uh, I mean the feature, then you can try to measure, just use the approach of three metrics, the three key metrics for the feature that are not about the A-B testing, that will just give you like the broad understanding on, of what's going on there. So the first is the reach, is how many customers have actually seen this feature. Mm. Then the second is conversion, like how many customers out of people who have actually seen that, how many have used that. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is retention, like how many people have actually used it more than one time. Mm -hmm. Like how many people have returned to that? I would say this approach could be your uh, guiding method for launching 
new features in a B2B where you cannot actually do the A-B tests and gather a lot of data. Gotcha. Cool. Or in um, the not only B2B, yeah. yeah. So we're getting close to time here. I think one last question I'd like to ask is around the difference between product management or being a product manager and being a head of product. So in your experience, you said that you went through a whole different range of roles getting to be a head of product at Lamoda, and you got to see a lot of different parts of the business and sit in a lot of different functions. But I'm curious from that experience, if you can tell the audience, what are the differences if you are a product manager? what would your job be like if you were to move to head of product and what should you be thinking about if you want to take that job? Yeah, I think the key difference is the amount of individual contribution because as a product manager, you're doing almost all the things by yourself. Sometimes you can be a senior product manager and you might be coaching one or two junior product managers and basically delegating some tasks to them. Mm-hmm. But you will still mostly be responsible for uh, whatever you do by your hands. Mm-hmm. And then if we're talking about the head of product, then it is much more about the overall vision, the overall strategy, how you actually build your team, how you motivate your team, and how you help your team to achieve particular results, to mm-hmm. achieve success. So I would say this is the key difference. And so do you have tips then if somebody is a product manager and they're interested in getting to be a head of product or yeah, getting more responsibility in their organization? Are there some things that they can do in their Uh, job? I think the fastest track to that is to actually start getting more responsibilities and try negotiating with your manager of actually getting a junior product manager to mentor, to coach, and to delegate some of your responsibilities. So that's how you can actually start being the leader of, for example, one product manager or one junior product manager. Other than that, the thing that is important when you're thinking about the transitions from the product manager to the head of product is your people management skills. So everything that's related to people management, soft skills, what worked for me is that I took some mentees outside of the company. So I have started mentoring other people before I have actually started talking about getting some some product manager in, in my team. Hmm. That sounds like a really smart way to show that you can do it and also to build up that experience for yourself to yeah, prove to yourself that you can do it. Cool. Stan, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your experience and insights. If people would like to connect with you, where can they find you? I think the easiest way is through the LinkedIn. Okay. And they should just search for Stan Khrushinsky, and we'll put a link in the show notes. (laughs) Thanks, Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I will share the link. Thanks a lot, Tom. (laughs) 